Gaslight men, girl boss. Yes. And we're live. Oh, <laughs> I, I intentionally did that. That is the start. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to Oh My Gods. And today, we're talking about... What's your name? What's my name? My name's Tama. What's your name? My name's Caroline. Wow. Yeah. I definitely didn't know that. I know, right? <laughs> today, we are talking about Oh My Women. <gasps> Specifically, how did you put it so eloquently? Uh, I said boss ass bitches. Amazing. And then I said gaslight men, girl boss. Hell yeah. And gaslight gatekeep girl boss, but three times the girl boss. Beautiful. That that was what was going through my head while Tama was actually setting up the important things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Today we're talking about women because it's women's month. Ooh. So we already missed women's day because that happened while we were on break. So, you know what? But we're here now. We're here now. It's still March. It's still March. We got time. Yeah. And we got so many epic women to talk about. So many women. But we're only picking a few today. Sad. Yeah. You'll have to wait till next Women's Month. Yeah. We're only going to talk about women once a year. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I want to bring up more women because as I was researching for this episode, I'm like, ah, there's too many women. There's lots. Damn it. <laughs> There's a lot of women There's out there. There's a lot of boss-ass bitches. Yeah. Yeah, so women. Yeah, okay, so who are we talking about? Um, I'm talking about Clytemnestra today. Hell yeah. You've got one? I got one for now. We can, we'll see. Okay. We'll see how much time we have. I don't know how long this is going to take. I have two. Is that okay? I can, yeah. I'll, I can think of another short one, too. Okay. I got like 50 hair stories off the top of my head at any time, so. Solid. I can make, one of them I can make pretty, actually both of them I can make fairly short, so. Sorry, I thought of another one. Oh, okay. There were so many facial expressions at a <laughs> time that no one else saw. No one sees our facial expressions. I feel like they're missing out on a lot. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to start or should I start? Um, I'll start today. Okay. Love I got it. it. I got it. I got I got this one ready. Amazing. You know. So, Clytemnestra. Now you might be asking, who is Clytemnestra? Who is Clytemnestra, Caroline? <laughs> well, Tama, let me tell you. Clytemnestra is the wife of Agamemnon. Mm. You might remember that homeboy from the Trojan War. Yeah, I think he played a minor role. Yeah, just a little, just a little, just a little role. role. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's also the sister of Helen oh. of Troy, of Sparta. Helen of Sparta, because we're feminists. Yeah, today at least. Yeah, <laughs> we're feminists normally, but we're <laughs> yeah. especially guys, feminists today. Guys, I swear, I I love women. I love women. We love women here. Yeah, so much. They're great. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Clytemnestra and Helen. Yeah. So Clytemnestra is the wife of Agamemnon and sister of Helen. Yes. So, Trojan War comes along. Helen's been taken, whether by choice or by force, to Troy by mm. Paris. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> um, and so Menelaus, the king of Sparta and Helen's husband, is out here being like, y'all gotta make an army for me. They swore an oath. We'll get into that another time, probably. Mm. They swore an oath to protect Helen, all these people in Greece, a lot of kings. So Menelaus goes to his brother Agamemnon and is like, yo, I'm raising an army. You're going to like lead it and stuff. And we're going to go to war against Troy. Agamemnon's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> He's like, eh. He's like, yeah, I, I kind of have to. I mean, I swore an oath. Um, I mean, what else did they have going on at the time? I know, right? He was just like sitting around. Yeah. What else are they doing? <laughs> Ugh. That's all men are good for is war. Yeah. 
in the Greek world, basically. <laughs> so anyways, so he goes, um, This everyone's meeting at this place that I don't feel entirely confident knowing the name of, but all the Greeks are meeting at the shore with their ships and everything to get ready to sail to Troy together. However, oh, there's no wind. Mm. Where'd the wind go? Where'd the wind go? Well, they consult a priest, and this priest determines that Artemis is mad at them. Uh-oh. And won't let the winds blow them to Troy unless there's a sacrifice. Hmm. Of Agamemnon's daughter. Ooh. Tough. Tough. So anyways, with, you know, sadness in his heart or not, <laughs> that's up to you to determine. But Agamemnon sends for uh, Clytemnestra and one of their one of their daughters, um, Iphigenia. And he tells them that it's a wedding uh-huh. and that Iphigenia is going to marry Achilles uh-huh. before they go to war for allies and stuff. Yeah. So they get there and Achilles is not there, but Agamemnon's by the altar. Mm. And so they bring Iphigenia up and then they grab her and they force Clytemnestra away. Mm. And Agamemnon kills his daughter. <sighs> Bonkers move. Biggest fuck up of the millennia. Yeah. I feel like killing a woman would not be the way to appease Artemis. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? That's the thing is that the winds do come back, but you could tell it's like, it's not in a. There's a sense of doom still. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we did it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Clytemnestra is distraught. You know, she's she's so sad. Not girl bossing very hard at the moment, but she's very sad. Yeah. So she goes back to her palace at Mycenae, and for ten years, the Trojan War is happening. And during those ten years, she is plotting <laughs> to murder. Her husband. Hell yeah. As you do. Good for her. She becomes the lover of her husband's greatest enemy, mm. Aegisthus, who is like... Aegisthus? Aegisthus. Sorry. <laughs> I just had to say that. <laughs> He's Aegisthus. Who's like, they're not cousin, but they're related. Um, that's a whole oh. other story. Um, there's a whole succession thing. It's way more complicated than I'm making it seem at the moment through all this, but basically... Don't love the related part. Well, not related to Clytemnestra, technically. Okay. Related to Agamemnon. Less bad. Yeah. Everyone's probably intermarrying. Like, <laughs> everyone's intermarrying. There's... It's a lot. Everyone's related. Everyone's related. It's a problem. But anyway, so she becomes the lover of Aegisthus, and together they're plotting to kill Agamemnon. So, Agamemnon returns home... From Troy. Mm. Well, even before this, they had this like set of like beacons. It's like it's like Lord of the Rings. They do this in Lord of the Rings. They have the beacons on the mountains and they light the beacons and it like oh. travels the message travels faster. Yeah. So the beacons return to Mycenae declaring that the Greeks are coming home. Mm. And so Clamnestra knows this is coming. But anyways, Agamemnon shows up and he shows up with a slave girl. Oh. That he brought back from Troy. You'll know her name, Cassandra, Mm. Princess of Troy, 
cursed oracle. Probably really pretty. Which, that doesn't make Clenmester any happier with her husband. Right. Um, so in Aeschylus' play, Agamemnon, uh-huh. um, there's the scene of Clenmester welcoming Ab- Agamemnon home, and she has the servants place these tapestries on the ground, these fine, like, purplish-red tapestries, and he, she says that, like, oh, Agamemnon, you shouldn't, you should only step on the finest tapestries. You shouldn't even step on the ground. Like, it's not good enough for you. Um, and then Agamemnon was like, well, that's kind of like a thing, like, only for the gods. Like, that's like kind of like hubris if I do that, right? Mm. But she insists. And eventually, he like, he does it. Hesitantly, but like, he does it. Yeah. So then, we have later that night, Agamemnon is taking a bath. All right. As one does. As but one does. when he steps into the bath, it's scalding hot. Oh. And before he can get out, Clytemnestra throws a net over him. Oh! Trapping him in his bath. And then, Aegisthus comes out with an axe. Oh my god. And fucking, cha. <laughs> bye bye, Agamemnon. Bye bye. And <laughs> so that all happens. Wow. And then Clytemnestra goes on over to Cassandra, who's been wailing this whole time about evil and darkness, mm. and just murders her. Didn't need to. Well. So, well, girl boss, questionable there. Mm. But she gets her revenge, and she is ruling Mycenae with Aegisthus. But, like, Clytemnestra is like a girl boss. She's, mm. she's ruling, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Now, it's a very dark girl boss story, yeah. And the killing Cassandra thing's not very girl boss. But let's focus on Agamemnon for a second. <laughs> Homeboy had it coming. Homeboy it's a cell Homeboy block did. tango moment. Yes. I just need like the Greek women. Give me the Greek mm-hmm. women in tragedy doing cell block tango. Clytemnestra icon. Definitely a murderess. She's not given fun descriptions in ancient Greek works. She's evil. I can't imagine why. But like she's kind of an icon for killing Agamemnon. Yeah. Fuck Agamemnon. Yeah. Don't like him. Mm-hmm. Also, her daughter is kind of extra girl boss. Mm-hmm. Electra. She doesn't do that much herself. I love Electra. Yeah. She she leaves most of the action to her brother, but yeah. she does a lot of the like persuading her brother to kill their mom, which we'll get to another time. I have written in my notes. Is Electra a pick me? <laughs> this is what we talk about in Probably, English class, folks. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways. But yeah, that's my um, dark girl boss for the day. I love that. Um, ignore the like murder of other people and just focus on Agamemnon, and she's kind of cool. Yeah. Revenge. We love a revenge story where the woman gets the revenge. Revenge is great. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. We got your lady now. Yeah. See, okay, here's the thing. We all know my love for Deborah is an ending, but her story is the most epic, I feel like. Not to downplay Esther, but I'm going to talk about Deborah and Esther. And I kind of want to start with Esther just because Esther. Or, I mean, uh, Deborah is, like, better. So, anyways, (laughs) question, because I actually don't know. How much do you know about Esther, if anything? I've never even heard the name associated with anything Christianity before. Really? Yep. That's fascinating. Because she was such a big... She's, like... All the little girls in Sunday school are like, I want to be like Esther. At least I was. Yeah, I was upset that I was named after Ruth and not after Esther. Because the greatest thing Ruth did was seducing a man. 
which slay, but also, like, Ru- uh, Esther kind of saved an entire nation from genocide. Kind of way more epic. Kind of way more epic. So anyways, that's great, because I, I was actually not sure um, how much you knew. <laughs> that's that's a completely new story for me. Yeah, okay, so Esther, guys. Oh, I love this story. This is great. It takes place in the book of Esther in the Bible. No way. <laughs> if, if you can't tell where it might be, it is the book of Esther. And our story is in Persia, um, as a lot of Old Testament stories are either in Canaan or Persia or Babylon. A lot of them take place not in Israel, surprisingly. But anyways, we're in Persia, and we uh, our story begins with a little girl named Hadassah and her uncle Mordecai. What a name. Um, Yeah, they're both Jewish. Actually, I think Mordecai, in different translations, he's referred to as different things, but I've heard him referred to as either her uncle or her cousin. But he's definitely older than her. He's her caretaker because something happened to her parents. The general assumption is that Hadassah's parents died or were left behind in Israel in some kind of, like, attack or something. We don't know. Or they could have just died of natural causes when they were already in Persia. But anyways, main deal is her parents are not there. Mordecai is her caretaker. Mordecai works for the king of Persia. Kind of a lowly um, official. He's kind of like a, a bookkeeper, I think. So he's not like super high up in the court. But one time he happens to uncover a plot against the king to kill him, to assassinate him. And when he did this, the king was like, wow, thanks, dude. And so he had it, like, written down in the historical, like, the the kingdom's records, you know? Jump cut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are now going to much, much later, um, or at least several years later. The king had a wife named Vashti. And one night, he asks Vashti, this this is kind of dark, so trigger warning, Uh, The king is hosting a party with a bunch of, like, higher-ups, nobles and things. And they're very drunk. And so he wants to bring Vashti before them to show off her beauty. It's very obvious that he wants her to strip and dance for them. Against her will, obviously. So she says no. (laughs) Good. Yeah. As she should. Um, The only problem is, when she does this... He tells her, he sends, he, like, he sends a messenger again when she sends him back says no. He's like, tell her she needs to do this or there's going to be, like, big trouble. And she says no again. And so, angered by this and also, like, in a drunken rage because he'd been drinking heavily at this point, he uh, decides to ban her from the kingdom. Uh, he doesn't kill her. I'm harsh. He doesn't kill her, I have well, to say. Good. You know, uh, some kings would have just killed their wives. He didn't kill her. He uh, banished her. But anyways, that happened. And so the king is now in need of a wife. So in order to get said wife, he decides to hold a beauty pageant across all of Persia. He wants all of the eligible young women to be brought before the palace to, like, take part in this beauty pageant. And whoever wins gets to be his wife. What a great prize. <laughs> man's, Thrilling. Man's like, I will, your your prize is, is me. 
arrogance to the extreme. I mean, he is the king of Persia. I believe, I'm not 100% sure, I believe he's Xerxes the first. Now, we're going to go to the house of Mordecai and Hadassah, where they've gotten news about this beauty pageant. Hadassah is of an eligible age to be married. Uh, she's very beautiful. And Mordecai is worried because if I didn't mention this before, which I, I definitely did, they're Jewish. Jewish people are not seen as the best in uh, Persian society, um, especially because most of them were forcefully taken from Jerusalem. So he tells Hadassah, listen, when you go to the palace for this beauty pageant, go by the name of Esther, because it sounds more Persian. You know, Hadassah kind of gives it away. <laughs> but Esther, you might be okay. So she does this, and she goes to the beauty pageant, and to make a long story short, Actually, to make a short story short, because I don't think it goes into much detail of this, she wins. No way. Yay! <laughs> She's the hottest. Um, so yeah, Esther wins, and Esther becomes queen. Now, while she's queen, the king, Xerxes, gets like his his second in command. This, this dude comes up the ranks. His name is Haman. And everything in Esther, in the book of Esther, whoever wrote it, they really want us to know Haman is a bad dude. He just is mean and also really self-centered. So one night, Haman goes into the king's like chambers to ask. He wants to ask. He, sorry, I should, I should clarify. Haman also really hates Mordecai. We're not given a whole lot of reason for this, except that Mordecai is Jewish. But no, Haman is like, yeah, this Mordecai guy, he's fucking sucks. Haman decided that, and he did this without the king's permission, um, to my knowledge. He decided that he was going to have parades through, or just w whenever he went through the city, he would have people, guards, to enforce that whenever he went through the city, everyone around would have to bow down to him. Damn. And Mordecai wouldn't, because he was Jewish, so he's like, I'm only going to bow down to my god. You know? And that pissed Haman off. So Haman wanted Mordecai dead. So <laughs> this night, he goes into the king's chambers to ask the king if he can kill Mordecai. Right? <laughs> um, casual. Casual. Um, and he walks in, and the king's been reading. And he's like, oh, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, sorry, I, I couldn't sleep, but great timing. Uh, he's like, I need to ask you a question. The king asks Haman this. He's like, listen, if I needed to praise and honor a man for great service to the kingdom what would i do and haman goes into this long thing about like oh you should give him your best robes and your uh kingly like ring and put him on your finest horse and have him go throughout the city and have one of your best most trusted advisors say that oh this man is is uh beloved of the king or something along those lines. And he, like, goes into all this because he thinks it's for him. Because he's right. like, I'm I'm his number two. So obviously, obviously this is for me. And the king's like, great. I love all those ideas. Now I need you to go do all that. Guess who he's going to do it for? Mordecai. You're exactly right. No uh, <laughs> Yeah. So basically what the king had been reading before Haman came in because he couldn't sleep was the kingdom records. And he had forgotten that Mordecai had done this great thing for him. And he's mm. like, I really need to, really need to, you know, honor this guy. So now Haman has to do this for Mordecai. 
And this makes him even more mad, right? He, al- he already wanted to kill Mordecai, but this makes him more mad. So he, and I'm not sure how he does this, and we give Haman, or at least the Bible gives Haman a really bad rap, but I feel like definitely some of this is on Xerxes. He convinces the king to, on a day like a few months from now, genocide all of the Jews in Persia. That's a big leap for not liking one dude. Yeah, he basically is like, wants to go like the purge on Jews. He he writes up a decree, which the king approves, and it basically says that on this certain day, in this certain month, anybody can go into a Jew's house, kill them and their entire family, and take their belongings, and it'll be fine. Wow. Yeah, and the king approves this. <laughs> yeah. So, Mordecai finds out, and obviously, he's fucking terrified. And so, he, like, rips his clothes and puts ashes on his head because he's mourning. And then he's like, wait a minute, I got a guy on the inside. So, he's like, let me call up Esther on his mobile device, obviously. (laughs) Um, No, so he, like, he sends a messenger to Esther. And he's like, listen, I need to talk to you. So she goes to Mordecai and she talks to him and she's like, what's going on? And he's like, listen, Haman is going to kill all of us in a short amount of time. You need to let the king know that this needs to be stopped. And so Esther's like, but he hasn't asked to see me. And if I go to see him unannounced, he could kill me. Because if he went in to see the king unannounced, he would either like let you speak or if he didn't let you speak, you would die. Again, extreme. Extreme, yeah. So anyways, she's like, you know what? Uh, Mordecai, actually, Mordecai says, he has like this whole speech, and he ends it by saying, perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Mm, Which is epic. Yeah, it is epic. And then she's like, all right, I'll do this. She tells Mordecai to tell all of the Jewish people he knows um, to fast and pray for her. And she's going to go before the king, and she will try to save their people um and she ends it again another epic line she's like if i die i die if i live we live or something along those lines Hell yeah yeah so very cool meanwhile <laughs> Haman is building his own special uh Haman is constructing his own special gallows for mordecai he's really wow. excited about this day that's coming up <laughs> wow so yeah Esther goes back to the palace and she gets ready. And this is very scary for her, not only because there's the threat of death, but she has not been outed as a Jew. Right. Everybody thinks she's Persian. So part of her stopping this from happening is she's going to have to come out as Jewish, which could be not great for her position as queen or her position as alive. Yeah. So she goes into the king. The king grants her permission to speak she gets nervous and she doesn't want to do it then she doesn't want to like put the whole thing out then so she's like i would like to invite you and Haman to a banquet tomorrow and the king is like sure oh by the way i should say i forgot this part uh she comes in and the king not only like grants her a request he's like oh my queen if if you want what what do you want? If you want half my kingdom, I shall give it to you. So he was in a real fucking good mood. So when she asked for a bank for him to attend a banquet, he's like, "Yeah, of course I will." Like, what? Of course. So next night, they're at the banquet. 
talking, having a great time, King once again reiterates, do you want half my kingdom? I'll give it to you. Surprising for how he treated Vashti, and now, like, maybe he's learned his lesson? I don't know. But she again gets cold feet, so she says, listen, I want you to come to another banquet (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) And he's like, okay. So the next day arrives. The banquet arrives. And once again, the king asks, Esther, my dear, dear wife, hottest girl in the land, (laughs) what do you want me to do? I will give you anything. And she says, I'm Jewish. I'm sure you're aware of this law. Haman wants to kill me, my uncle slash cousin, because I'm not sure what it is, and all of my family, because we're Jewish. That's fucked up. And he's like, and she's like, oh, and by the way, Haman erected this special gallows for Mordecai, because he doesn't like Mordecai. And of course, the king is pissed at this point, because not only is Haman wanting to kill his wife and hurt her family, but Mordecai. This guy that he just honored. Right. So it's like, I can't honor a guy and then have him killed. Like, obviously. So King gets really, really mad. And he tells Haman, listen, we're going to undo that law that we made. We're going to say that on that day, anybody who does do the purge on the Jews is going to get purged themselves. And he says, you know what? Those fancy gallows you made for Mordecai you're gonna hang on them so Haman hanged on the gallows and all of his family was also killed and I believe his like fortune was given to Mordecai and also his position was given to Mordecai Mordecai became the king's second in command so because of this saving of the Jewish people in Persia by Esther the Jews have, na- like, got the uh, holiday of Purim, oh. which is on the day that they were supposed to be killed. So now every year, if you guys know about the holiday of Purim, that's where that comes from, is the story of Esther. <laughs> that was so fun. I mean, the story is a whole time. It's a whole time. I'd never heard that before. I love hearing new stories. Yeah. Also, like, some boss ass bitches in there. Yeah. And also, what the fuck is Heyman doing? <laughs> fuck Heyman. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Yeah. Who passes that law? Yeah. When I, your I, homeboy is Jewish? I don't know if he actually knew Mordecai was Jewish. I mean, I feel like uh, the name sounds a little Jewish, Mordecai. I don't know. But also, yeah, he just might not have been thinking about it. You're just not thinking about it when you sentence hundreds. And yeah, but also genocide. Ago. For any reason. Like, even if you weren't killing any of your homeboys. Yeah. Maybe don't genocide. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah. Oh my. That's that. People are crazy. They are. But also Esther girlbossing. Esther's such a girlboss. She girlbossed? Did she gatekeep? She gatekeeped the other woman from being his wife? Yeah. Did she gaslight? Kind of gaslit Haman a little bit, because she kept inviting him to those banquets in order to get him killed. Yeah. So. And she also pretended she was per- not <laughs> yeah, she, for a while. Yeah, she, she literally changed her name. That's true. Okay, yeah, guess I keep, keep, ugh, keep girl boss. Nice. Do you have another story? I do. I've got Bridget. Yes! My queen. 
See, I could just wait and do, like, a whole thing on Bridget. Mm. Because she has, like, a bunch of, like, short stories about her. Mm-hmm. But this is the best one. Okay. In my humble opinion. We can still do a whole thing on Bridget. We can just chat. Yeah. I feel like we definitely should. Yeah. Does she have, like, a celebrate? Oh, well. In bulk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that already happened. Yeah. <laughs> just don't We have to wait a bit for that. Yeah. But... That's okay. Anyways, Bridget... Now, I'm not going to differentiate here between the saint, the goddess, and uh, just a regular, you know, gal. She's all of them. She is all of them. So, we're just going to go, we're just going to say Bridget, and you can choose whichever one you want, because there's no separation. There's no mention of, you know, whichever one. Hmm. But she's most likely one of the Christian variants. So, Bridget has sworn to never marry. Mm. As part of her religion. And there's actually, this is all, add another short story in. Bridget's father wanted Bridget to marry. So mm. he betrothed her to this dude. And on the day of their wedding, Bridget went up to the man and said, If you walk out of here right now, you will meet the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. And everything you say to her will sound like the smartest thing, cleverest thing ever said to her and her father. Mm. And homeboy walked out, and Bridget stayed unmarried. Um, I love that. That's just a short little thing. Did he actually, did that actually happen? Yeah. Okay. She, cool. and it's another one of the, like, the miracles. Oh, yeah, She yeah. does stuff. Yeah. I should mention that. She does things. Mm-hmm. Um, she has miracles of God. Slay. Slay. So anyways, there's this other dude now who's like, Bridget's really hot, and I want to marry her. Mm. But she doesn't want to marry anyone, so I'm going to trick her (laughs) into marrying me. How does he do that? So what he does is he gets this ring, and he goes to Bridget, and he says, I need you to keep this ring safe for me for one year. And if it's safe, great. I'm going to come back for a year. But if I come back and you have lost it, you have to give me one favor of my choice. Why would she agree to this? She's like, I just fucking put a ring in a drawer and you're fucking... But why would she be like, sure, I'll keep your ring? Like, I wouldn't do that. She was the most... She was, like, overly generous. Oh. Uh, we want more stories? We got woman walking down the road. Bridget's milking a cow. Uh-huh. She wants to sip milk. Bridget gives her oh, the whole bucket of milk. <laughs> Bridget goes back to milking the cow... The, the cow gives thrice as much milk as it had before. Okay. Every time that she gives to someone, she gains back even more. Okay. So she's a very generous person. She does so many things for other people. So anyway, she's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll hold on to your ring. One year goes by. Well, in that year, mm-hmm. when Bridget's out, this man sneaks mm-hmm. in and takes the ring back and throws it into the sea. Trixie little hobbitses. That's him. (laughs) (laughs) So, year goes by. He returns to the house. All smug-like, you know? Yeah. He's like, Bridget, I'm here for my ring. And she's like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, I got you. And she can't find it. And so the man is like, well, now you owe me. Uh Uh-huh. But before he can say what he wants from her, she goes, wait, we're going to have dinner first. Hmm. We're going to have dinner. So she goes out 
And she casts a line into water to catch a fish. She reels in a fish. She brings it in. She cooks it. And they're sitting on dinner. And the man starts to ask for the favor again. She goes, wait, I have to serve you. So she serves him some fish. Mm-hmm. Serves herself some fish. And what's on his plate? But the ring. Which had <laughs> been swallowed by the fish. Mm. And now you can imagine the... I'm giving a look for everyone <laughs> listening. That man. It's a very frustrated... She really showed him. Yeah. She really showed him. That really must have sucked mm-hmm. for the man. That's so fucking funny. I love that for her. That's I, amazing. I just love the idea of this dude out here being like, what? He went through so much work. A whole year of waiting. A whole just year. Just to marry Bridget. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Bridget got him back. We love that. We love yeah. woman avoiding man in epic way. Yes. Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I was going to tell the story of Artemis and Acteon. Ooh, yeah. Which is a similar vibe. But I was like, I already did a violent Greek one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll switch it up a bit. <laughs> I'll do a less violent one. Yeah. Look, that was like my first story with no violence in it, probably. Yay! We don't get a lot of those in mythology. Yeah. It's very exciting. Except for the fish. R- yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> Bring fish, dude. It's tough. Yeah. It was for the bit, you know. <laughs> All right, well, we got our final woman of International Women's Month. Welcome to the story of Deborah. Woo! Y'all know I love Deborah. (laughs) She is my queen, even though she wasn't a queen. She was a judge. She was a judge. Which, honestly, in a way, is kind of more epic. I don't know, you probably don't know how Jewish or Israelite judges worked. I've heard a little bit from you, but I don't know that much. Basically, judges were set up when the Israelites had, after they'd finished wandering in the wilderness, Moses was technically a judge, but everybody knows Moses uh, as like the leader of the Israelites. The next one was Joshua. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. A lot of people probably know that too. He was also technically a judge. After that, people were like, are we going to get a king? And God said, no, I am your king. Yes, that's that's exactly what he said. That's pretty epic. And so he's like, instead of a king, I'll give you something even better. I'll give you judges. And these judges were leaders of the people. So in a way, they they acted like kings. But they would make decisions, meet out judgments, punishments, rewards, all on behalf of God. And they were kind of like God's spokespeople. So, like, God was the king. The judges were basically vessels for God. But they were they were the leaders of Israel in the early Old Testament before we get to Saul. And we see how well kings turned out. That's a story for another day. So, Deborah, prophetess and judge. Because everybody who was a judge was either a prophet or a prophetess. But I feel like I need to add that on. Because it, like, makes her extra cool. Anyways, there's this guy who is the king of Canaan, named Jabin. And he has an army, pretty powerful army. And this army is led by this guy named Sisera. And Sisera basically was terrorizing Israel for many years. Doesn't clarify how many, but it was less than a lifetime. So like, it wasn't like, it was a long time though, like probably like decades or at least one decade. So, 
Deborah, sick of this man's shit, <laughs> goes to a guy named Barack. Not to be confused with the president of the United States, ex-president of the United States. And she tells Barack, listen, we need you, God needs you, to fight Sisera and send him out of the land. Teach him a lesson. Show him who's the better God. You know, because that's the whole thing with the Old Testament is they had to fight other people to show them that they had the better God. Also, as we saw with the St. Patrick's Day and other pagan to Christian uh, myths, there's a lot of that later on, too, of showing them whose God is boss. But essentially, that's what she told Barack. She's like, you need to fight these people and God will be on your side. God will God will make you win. She, she gave him like a free dub. <laughs> and this man didn't want to take it. He Damn. said, I'm not going to fight. And she's like, Barack, you have to do this. God is calling you to do this. You don't understand. <laughs> so Barack said, listen, I will go and fight as long as you come to. And so Deborah goes, all right, I will. And she says, I wrote down the quote because it's so metal. <laughs> she says, the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Fuck yeah. Yep. And that's also a bit of a prophecy, as we will see. I mean, it would be a prophecy either way. But anyways, foreshadowing. <laughs> so Barack goes, Deborah goes. She kind of like stands on the hill and is kind of like God's conduit. She is standing there, Barak is fighting, and the people are fleeing and dying. Sisera's army is getting rolled by these Israelites. So Sisera, like the bitch that he is, deserts his army. Damn. Yeah. And he flees into the tent of a woman who was a Canaanite, I believe, named Jael. It's spelled J-A-E-L, in case you're curious. It's not jail it's jail there's a difference <laughs> um and he goes into her tent and he's like listen listen jail i need you to like hide me and so she puts him under a rug and she's like stay there and he's like go to the front of the tent and make sure there's no men outside she's like okay okay and then he's like can i have a glass of water not a glass because they probably didn't have glasses but like can i have water i'm really thirsty i've been fighting all day and losing all day and so she's like okay and she gets him water and then He's like, okay, okay, now I need you to go watch again because I'm scared. Because again, this man is a bitch. <laughs> Instead of going to watch, remember how I said Cicero would be delivered into the hands of a woman? Well, Jael glances over to the corner of her tent and just happens to see uh, a hammer and a tent spike. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, so no. she walks over, grabs the hammer and the peg goes quietly over to Sisera, who's under the blanket, and hammers the peg through his temple. Oh. And he dies. Damn. In case you weren't sure that he was dead. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so that is how Deborah and Jael, two boss-ass bitches. Yeah, two legendary women. Beat Sisera and... You know, Barack was a little baby. And men did fucking nothing. Literally nothing. Both both of the men on either side were literally begging women to help them. And both of the women on either side were like, sure. Yeah. And but also we're going to do it for God and we're going to win. And ha. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. Legendary. That's, that's 
That is the only story we have of Deborah. She was one of the judges. Some judges get, like, so much time in the Bible. She She gets that one story. I'm like, if she was that epic, she had to do more cool things. And apparently she judged from under a palm tree. It was called Deborah's Palm. And she would just sit under there and hear the people all day, every day. I love that. We need more Deborah fan fiction out here. Yeah, I want (laughs) to just hear, like, some stories of Deborah's Palm. Like, the things that happened there. Because I'm sure some shit went down. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I love Deborah, and that is why. Also jail, because we had five lovely, sometimes murderous, sometimes less murderous women today. Yeah. Clytemnestra, we had Esther, we had Bridget, mm-hmm. and then Deborah and Jill. So many. So many amazing women for International Women's Month. Woo! We're yes. definitely going to be talking about, we're going to have more female-centric episodes, Oh I'm yeah, sure. We have to. There's, there's so, so many, many fun women. There's so many fun women. We love females here. Hell yeah, we do. Yeah. Also, okay, sorry. I said females. That sounds weird. We love women here. The females. All women. That just sounds like, All like a... All females. It sounds like it sounds a like red pill. Kind of yeah, thing, yeah, it sounds like a red pill guy who's like, trans women aren't women. Yeah. You know? Fuck them. We love. I was our... gonna say fuck yeah as like an emphasis to you, but I was like, no, I don't want. I'm not supporting the alpha males. No, fuck the alpha males. Love the women. Hell yeah! And that's how we're gonna end our episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank to you. Oh my gods, with Caroline and Tama. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Oh yeah. At the Gods Pod, all lowercase. Or you can email us with uh, questions or podcast topics that you'd like to hear or... Hate comments. Hate comments are apparently allowed now. Yep. Um, or if you want to come on. Yeah. If Let you us be know. A guest, that's, our email is girlsandgods at gmail.com. All yep. lowercase. We are also women. Support women this International Women's Month by watching, not watching, listening to our podcast. Listen to our woman voices. Yes. This month and every month. Every month. Every month can be International Women's Month. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. Continue to gaslight gatekeep girl boss your way through life. Adios.